welcome to Property Matters on Dublin South FM. You can contact the show on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn at iPropertyRadio or indeed email the show at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So your hosts for today are myself, Carol Tallon, and especially for Pensions Awareness Week, we have a guest co-host, Fergal McKenna, Head of Debt Advisory at Beacon Capital. Uh, uh, So Fergal, thank you so much for joining me today and being my co-host. Thanks, Carol. Um, and look, for, firstly, very pleased to be on the show and to be able to spread the awareness about Pensions Awareness Week. Um, so I'm, I'm one of the directors at Beacon Capital. We're a boutique real estate and, and debt advisory firms. Um, we evaluate real estate transactions and, and structure them to try and get the best return for the clients. And that service can be anything from site analysis to a, a pre-purchase stage to sourcing and structuring capital. Uh, to looking at eventual options. Um, we've had a particular focus on social housing in the last couple of years, but debt capital advisory across investment properties or on a singular portfolio basis, bridging finance and, and settlement finance are all part of the services that we provide. Now, Great, and we're going, to be, we're going to be touching on a lot of those elements today. So actually talk us through Talk us through really the people we'll be hearing from today and the topics that we're going to cover from, um, I, I suppose, a, a pensions from a pensions perspective. Sure. Yeah. So why, why am I here? Yeah, well, I guess um, I'm part of the campaign, which is Pensions Awareness Week. And uh, if you weren't aware of Pensions Awareness Week before this show, uh, the campaign is obviously working because you're aware of it now. And it's, <laughs> it started uh, earlier this week uh, where we had a session um, on starting your pension journey. And we have different themes that run throughout the week all the way through to Friday uh, with a variety of topics, uh, and one of those being uh, property and pension. Now, or- ordinarily, we'd be in our camper van going around uh, the country and meeting with uh, co- companies and individuals around around pensions and spreading the word. But that's, uh, we're, we're, we're more kind of shouting from our rooftop, literally, or from our uh, kitchen now at the moment uh, with, with, with the way things are. Um, and I guess the campaign itself is designed to demystify the world of pensions, put it into some plain English, change the narrative a bit on how pensions are perceived, uh, and just normalise the conversation around pensions and, and just make it approachable uh, for younger people. And when I say for younger people, I'm talking about the 40s, 50s, 60s. It's Pensions are not for you know the grey-haired people or the no-haired people uh, uh, it's it is really for younger people to consider so we were very we were very keen to uh, include one of those topics being uh, pensions and, and, and property um, and I guess the people that are joining us today are talking about the different aspects of looking at, at pensions uh, through um, or property through pensions and and I guess so why you know we ask ourselves why are we looking at uh, at property through pensions well there's a couple of reasons I think property like any other asset class needs to be considered as part of your portfolio and we tend to talk about portfolio or property as as one asset class but you can you can access it through a broad, broad spectrum of products and there's a lot of risk rewards uh, uh, options that are available through that. Um, okay, and that can that can sometimes be overly complex for people. Um, so we're going to try break it down as best we can today. And in fact, this would be a good time to bring in our first guest, who is uh, a friend of the show. So our first guest this week, and is joining us remotely, of course, due to ongoing pandemic restrictions, uh, Angus Burns, advisory partner at Grant Thornton. Angus, thank you for being with us today. 
Carol, thanks very much for having me. Uh, well, we're delighted. And I know we had a great response uh, the last time you joined us, indeed, on the radio show and podcast. Um, we had a great response. And uh, actually, it was particularly pointed out that um, it was it was actually understandable. So that's always a good thing. Um, so listen, we're, you know, you know, the agenda today, we absolutely want to not just raise awareness for pensions, but also try to demystify um, using property uh, um, as part of your pension vehicle. So I, I suppose really to get us started, you might just talk to us about your involvement in this. Yeah, so I, I'm, a, I'm a partner in Grant Thornton. We're an accountancy firm, um, but I also head up Grant Thornton Pensioner Trustees. So we, we set up and administer small self-administered pensions for um, often, often for property investors. Okay, and the last time you were on, you know, you spoke to us about um, the different tax, um, the tax-efficient property investment, kind of the different structures there. So um, let's maybe start with something that uh, people would be interested to get the the outline of, and that's structuring kind of a small self-administered pension scheme. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, there there are a number of ways of approaching property. Um, it's it's that the the pension structure has has come in more and more into the into the fore in terms of being being popular, and and that's really down to the taxation of um, of, of pension. So, you know, you're in a situation where you have income into your pension that is untaxed, uh, gains in your pension that is untaxed, and from a from a property perspective, that's very very attractive. Okay, and Fergal, given that uh, Pensions Awareness Week started yesterday on Monday, um, so for anybody listening live uh, today on Tuesday, then obviously Pensions Awareness Week started yesterday, and it will run for the entire week. For anybody listening on the podcast, you can indeed catch up on any of the pensions events, and there's a, a, a watch back and listen back facility for a number of those events. But um, so uh, as of today, for the event that happened yesterday, um, Fergal, you might just tell us, you know, in terms of um, the the self administered pension scheme there that Angus was referring to. You know what are the questions that tended to come up uh, yesterday and indeed on an ongoing basis? Yeah, thanks, Carl. So I mean, yesterday was all around starting your pension journey, and and I mm. guess what we were trying to do was 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 try and capture people um, that that are. It's really not an age demographic. It's 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 more a state of mind. So you know whether you're in your thirties, forties, fifties, or sixties, uh, unless you get yourself into that mindset of starting your pension. Uh, and some people do it earlier and some do it later. Um, it's, you know, it's very, it's very difficult. You have to get into that mindset and make some sort of start on it. And I, I guess um, anecdotally, we would have a lot of people coming into us that have gone on that, you've gone on the investment journey in, into property and they're realizing kind of late in the stage that, you know, there were other options that they had had they thought about that or had they the information in front of them at an earlier stage. So from, you know, the, the person that sits in front of me asking, you know, you know, Fergal, I, I want to buy a property and I need some debt for it. Can you help me get it? And we look at their situation and realize that when you look at their assets, their personal assets, it has two to, to, to many uh, uh, properties uh that are that are in their personal name, and you look at their pension side of of, of their balance sheet, and th- there's a zero against it. And when, when you explore that with them, their 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 response is that well, we didn't realise that there was another option for us. Uh, and I think it's well 
uh, document the efficiencies from a tax perspective in investing in, in property through your pension. Um, uh, Two other examples where clients have built a lot of their wealth up through uh, a special purpose vehicle, which has been set up, uh, uh, you know, uh, largely uh, as, as a mandate by the lender who has a requirement to lend only to special purpose vehicles. But the problem is that, you know, late in the stage when that wealth is built, extracting that value from the property can be challenging. So we're not saying that everybody should be rushing out there and, and investing directly in property through their pension. But what we're trying to do is create an awareness for those people that have decided it's what they want to do and and, and giving them the options to do it. And you need a couple of extra people at the table when you're doing that. It's, it's a revenue requirement. And Angus and his team are, are, are one of the options there uh, and one of the people that that you, you absolutely need at the table. Okay. Um, so, Angus, you can come in here now and maybe explain that, um, you know, one of the things Fergal mentioned there that, that struck me, you know, people maybe who go down this track and then realise that actually there were other um, alternatives and maybe ones that were would have been better suited available to them. So let's maybe, because it is Pensions Awareness Week and, you know, we know that we are obviously hoping to reach out to people who are just at the start of this journey. So maybe let's take them through the process of figuring out what options are available before they get started. Yeah, I mean, generally we'd look at, we'd look at three options for the, for the property investor. Uh, Fergal has mentioned um, companies, corporates are, are are quite popular. Why, why is that? Well, corporation tax is a is 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 a lower charge than income tax. There is a, a close company surcharge on rental income, but you know generally you'll, you'll end up around forty percent uh, taxation in a company versus up to fifty five percent tax uh, personally. Um, there is, of course, the challenge of of getting funds out of a company uh, later on, and of course, there's a there's another income tax charge for that. But you know, the, the, the company tends tends to be popular. Um, investing property personally, I suppose that the, the, the challenges are, are are quite significant in that we know that income tax now is is north of fifty percent. So in order to I suppose build the initial a deposit, if you like, um, to, to, to buy property, you're, you're working at less than what the revenue is getting. So, you know, if you're able to save up €100,000, uh, really that, that could be over €200,000 in remuneration, salary, uh, etc. From your, from your employment. Okay, so very difficult to build the initial uh, deposit, let's say, to get going with property. And, you know, we know how tight the banks are at the moment in terms of investing in, in, in residential property. So very difficult to get the level of debt uh, to be able to Im- embark uh, on, the, on the property investing journey. Um, what would be, sorry to interrupt there, but um, just I suppose to clarify there, and I know that this is a bit of a, a movable feast, but um, today, what would be the likely loan to value for somebody starting out? Well, well, I can I can tell you that the pillar banks are really not interested in uh, lending on residential investment property, uh, particularly at, at at lower levels. So you have some niche um, uh, banks in the space. ICS mortgages are quite are quite active. Um, uh, they they say they will they will lend up to seventy percent personally. Um, but you have to remember, 
that, that they're looking at the, the headroom from uh, rental income on the property also and what's available there to service the debt. Now, you're into the second scenario then of taxation. Uh, having bought a property, you now have taxation on your rental income again at those elevated 50% uh, plus levels. And of course, that's creating, that's allowing way less headroom uh, to service debt. So you have a bit of a double whammy there uh, purchasing personally. Okay. And um, you had mentioned at the start there that there are three options. Um you know, the, the corporate yeah. or personal. What's the third option? Well, the third option is through the pension. Um, and essentially, those those double whammies of the, the initial freeing up cash from your, from your employment and secondly, uh, receiving uh, income uh, that, is, that is not taxed uh, are effectively avoided through the pension. So what we're talking about is from your employment, whether you're an SME owner, a uh, self-employed contractor, whether you're working for a larger company, um, you can have that employer pay monies due to you uh, directly into your into your pension, and that might have been monies that could have been due to you by some kind of a discretionary bonus or or, or just monies in general uh, due to you. Now, there's no benefit in kind on those monies paid paid into your pension, and what that means is the entirety of the monies due to you can be paid without tax into your, let's say you were due 20,000 euro. If you took that out of salary, you might get 9,000 euro in your back pocket, but this way the full 20,000 euro goes into the pension trust. So you start with um, uh, some some monies uh, that, that have, not been, have not been taxed. You then go off and purchase your, your property the income that comes in to the pension in the form of rents is not taxed. Uh, in a year or so, the property goes up in value. There's a gain there. You sell that property, maybe to buy another one or to invest in some other asset class. There's no capital gains tax. So you can see that over time, having started with over twice the amount of money because you didn't have that initial tax hit, and then investing in something like property, where the yields can be, you know, high single digits, even even low double digit uh, returns. Um, over time, without the taxation, you can really build that 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 pension nest egg. Let's say, or you know, to avoid the word pension, you can really just uh, build your personal wealth in a in a pension type vehicle. Okay, as you're saying that, it occurs to me, um, somebody who is absolutely not a pensions expert, that that seems almost obvious and um, that that's the way to do it. So now I'm wondering, you know, why would business owners opt not to do this? Why would they opt to become um, landlords in a personal capacity or even through, um, you know, even through a, a, a corporate rate? Well, we, we are seeing that that landlords are embracing the, the pension model. Um, where they're not, um, it, it might be that, um, number one, there's an education issue that they haven't come across um, the, the, the pension uh, structure. Number two, just buying personally might be something they're more, they're more comfortable, more au fait with, and really they haven't looked at the taxation, although I am inundated with calls at the moment with um, the Form 11 income tax season 
income tax returns coming up next month mm-hmm. uh, with people looking at their case five rental income bill and they're in absolute shock at the at the size of it. So, you know, really it, it takes a bit of a wake up moment on the taxation. Um, some some investors um, might might not be earning or in employment anymore, and they might have come into monies through an inheritance. You know, so they might already have after tax monies, and they might not have um, significant income. So, in that case, having a rental property where the initial monies, the tax you've already paid. And then just just receiving a, a modest income from the property might not be taxed at the higher level. You know that might not necessarily make sense to 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 use the pension in in that kind of um, that kind of scenario. But certainly we find people of the age bracket, thirties, forties, fifties, into the sixties. Um, yeah, they really see the the, the benefit of the of, of the tax free compounding of, of of growth over time in the in the pension. Okay, Fergal, I'll let you come in there because you will know the, the mechanics of this advising people on a daily basis. So I'll let you come in and and ask Angus any questions that you or your clients may have on that. Hello, Fergal. Oh, I'm sorry. I think we might have lost Fergal there for the moment. Um, so Angus, so I have one question based on that. Um, so obviously you've made it very clear that the benefit of investing in property through a pension is that you're using money that hasn't been taxed, the income generated isn't taxed and any gains made is not taxed. But um, you mentioned there that, say, if somebody has inherited money or come into a lump sum in, in however they've done this, as uh, other than working um, working as an, and an income, um, does it make sense to invest those kind of lump sums into a, a property through your pension? Well, well, it, it it can it can be quite difficult to do that, and and the number of the issue here is that um, pensions are associated with employment. Okay, mm. so that the reason why uh, government and the revenue commissioners have allowed us such a wonderful tax break, in which is what a pension is, is that it it must be linked to employment. So the idea here is that you contribute from your employer into a pension over the years. Now, what you do with your with your pension in terms of what you invest is in a self-administered scenario really up to you because you can invest across a wide swathe of unregulated investments and property is one of those. Okay. And um, the, the other the other form of pension uh, which is way more common is is your traditional life and pension um, mm-hmm. type type structure where you know the, the the self-administered option isn't isn't for everyone. I think most people would prefer to just um, uh, work diligently, contribute every month into the pension, um, and and safe in the in the in the knowledge that those monies are being are being managed in in regulated uh, funds um, that are that are that are quite safe and. You know, I suppose maybe it's just not their thing to to be more hands on with the pension. However, we see that, you know, there's a certain cohort of of individuals who who want to be more hands on with their with their pension investments, many of whom uh, like property as as an asset class. And they they believe and, and we see that they get returns that are significantly above your your traditional uh, pension returns, and um, th- there's a there's a bit of um, uh, kind of a coming together of a number of of, of beneficial um, issues in in the market at the moment, and 
And and while we might see as it, it is a negative, um, that there is a, a an enormous exodus of landlords from the um, from the, the the landlord, the residential landlord market. Absolutely, um, yeah, it's something that we has been well documented, and we've discussed it many times over the past two years on the show. Now we are seeing the likes of these enormous American private equity funds mm-hmm. investing, and they they get a lot of space in the newspapers, but they're a very small part of the market. You know, circa ten percent of the overall residential landlord market is is taken up by these um, by these uh, large U.S. U.S. funds. Um, the vast majority of landlords are ordinary folk. Um, around Ireland, but they are exiting the market in droves, um, primarily because of the lack of credit and the lack of taxation um, or, or the, the unfairness. Inc- the the unfairness um, of taxation when you compare it to the likes of some of the the um, PRS bodies. But but that that neg- in, indeed, and 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 for the middle class investor, that's that's very unfair. The, yeah. The, PRS investors have very little tax to pay mm. and the middle class investor has been hammered. But that negative is turned into a positive um, for, for investors who are able to invest in more tax efficient structures like, like a pension. Because what is happening is the values of um, residential investment property. Now, I'm not talking about your own uh, owner, owner-occupied property. I'm talking about investment property, which is quite a different uh, type of type of product in different areas and geared towards different different uh, demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the value of of um, investment properties is quite suppressed as a result of the the exodus of of investors. So what we're seeing is quite significantly elevated uh, yields in investment property. It's not uh, unusual to have a net yield of around 8% uh, for, for property, uh, for apartments after after management charges in, in much of the country. Mm-hmm. Much of the country's product is priced well below its replacement value, so well below the actual cost of, of building those apartments or houses. Why is that happening? Well, it's happening because of, because of suppressed demand um, by your usual landlords yeah. and therefore presents the opportunity for investors who are um, maybe more, more professional in their approach, are using a tax efficient structure to enter the market and avail of those in enhanced returns. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Angus, thank you so much for breaking that down um, in a way that does make it more accessible for people like me who, who aren't experts in um in the the pension um, the pension structures that are available and the different options that are available. So thank you so much, Tim. It seems like a timely conversation to be having in the marketplace at the moment. That was Angus Burns, advisory partner at Grant Thornton. Thank you for joining us, Angus. Uh, we need to take a quick break now. Stay tuned after the break. Fergal and I will be joined by uh, Rafe Benson, uh, co-founder and head of financial advice at MoneyCube. Stay tuned. Ninety three point nine Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters in Dublin South FM. So we're back. On on the line with Fergal McKenna, co-hosting, and myself, Carol Tallon. As mentioned before the break, we're now joined on the line um, by Rafe Benson, co-founder and head of financial advice at MoneyCube. So, Rafe, thank you for joining us. Hi, Carol. Good to be with you. Great. 
Rafe, uh, look, it's been a busy week for you so far. Um, maybe you could tell us a bit about what you've been up to at Pensions Awareness Week. Uh, and also, we've just heard from Angus Burns over at Grand Thornton. And I guess one of the things that Pensions Awareness Week is trying to do is explore the options for people to invest in property directly. Um, so you might kind of talk us through a bit about what you're doing in that field. Yeah, definitely. So I guess Pensions Awareness Week is is an initiative we started really to, as the name says on the tin, raise awareness about pensions. Uh, you know, for most people, their pension is the big, biggest single pot of money that they can stick their name on. And yet, it's always felt kind of like at one remove from a lot of Irish people don't feel ownership over their pension. So yeah. we're really on a mission to just help them create that sense of ownership, remind them that it's their money, uh, that it's important and that they have a right to kind of ask questions about it, control it themselves, and, um, uh, you know, really take charge of it. Yep. So I guess normally this time of year, we would be uh, in our little VW camper van, which right. is most people's, uh, you know, vision of uh, an idyllic retirement, the surfboard on the roof, and heading down to, to hit some waves in the West Coast or something. But um, sitting with, uh, talking to you here today uh, in central Dublin, that's probably the, the, the least welcome message you could be bringing. Um, uh, the less spreading coming from Dublin, I think, the better for most people. So, um, uh, you know, so we've gone digital this year, effectively, uh, with Pensions Awareness Week. Um, and there's a couple of bits to that. So we've got a series of webcasts. Um, we've uh, got one every day at lunchtime on a different topic. So uh, if, you're, if you're listening on the radio, it, that's uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, all about property and pensions. Um, so we'll be covering some more of this stuff with some of our guests. Um, and also the, there's a link on the Pensions Awareness Week.ie website um, to listen if you're, if you're picking this up over the podcast. And there's a lot of people listening here who are look are in different circumstances. They're self-employed, they're employees. Um, you know, look, is the message for everybody? I guess what we'd say is, you know, there's almost always something you can do to improve your pension position. You know, now that might be putting more money in. It might be driving down the cost. It might be optimizing the investments that are in your pension. And I think that's particularly relevant when it comes to property-based pensions. But, you know, the key thing is to um, to remember that it's yours, throw your arms around it and, um, and uh, start making it work for you. And why the focus on property then for one of the days, do you think, Christ? Uh, yeah, great question. I suppose, look, the bottom line is people in Ireland uh, – uh, love investing in property, right? Um, you know, in general, uh, you know, people people's eyes start to glaze over a little bit when you mention pensions, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, in fact, you know, the way things are going, it's becoming uh, the case that, you know, almost like increasingly we see that as the most sensible route to owning buy-to-let property for, if you like, the individual investor, uh, you know, as a, a, as the Irish buy-to-let market is becoming more professionalised and, um, you know, big corporates enter enter the arena and so forth. Yeah, and um, actually, sorry, that's, that's a great about, you know, the, the sector becoming more professionalised because, you know, earlier in the show, uh, Angus spoke about, you know, the whole value of buying a property through your pension is that, you know, you're using money that 
hasn't been taxed, the income is not taxed, the gain is not taxed. And, you know, and that's something that makes sense. But I think you actually really hit the nail on the head. For a lot of people, they just don't feel ownership over their pension funds. They're doing it almost as a as something that they know is a responsible thing to do, but maybe they don't have that ownership. And I love that when you say, you know, remember that that money is yours and throw your arms around it. I think that's a really good way to get people to take on board that actually this is their money. And uh, not only do they have a a, a responsibility to themselves to, to look at this and take it, but that actually it can be made accessible. But um, because you mentioned there about that the industry is becoming more professionalised, the rental sector, you know, we can talk about sourcing property, the right property and setting it up, getting your tenant in. But where where are people maybe who aren't experts in property? How do they navigate the risks in terms of things like um you know, the right tenant, good tenants, ones that continuously uh, pay their rent um, or, you know, we're looking at a scenario over the last number of months where there was a. Um, uh, you know, there was a rollover of rent and then a moratorium on, on evictions. And, you know, it's become a very unpopular time to, to be a landlord. You know, so how do people navigate that and the risks? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's it's no different when it's your pension, you know, uh, if your property is held within there. Like typically, you know, the people we work with who have invested in property through their pension, you know, are just as hands-on in mm-hmm. managing that asset as they would be if it was held directly in their name, you know, mm-hmm. and you're right, Carol, like those problems don't go away. Um, you know, I think one of the things that uh, maybe you're going to be discussing later in the show is around uh, uh, some of the protections that can come through the social housing leases. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there certainly are people who've done that very successfully. You know, you take a lot of the headaches away uh, in return for clearly an element of discount on, on rent. But, you know, you're you're de-risking your investment at the same time as you sacrifice that return. You know, and there's value in that. There's value in, you know, not missing out on uh, gaps between tenancies, um, you know, uh, risk of non-payment and so forth. So, you know, we would definitely say, um, you know, yes, you may be putting your investment property into a tax efficient structure. That doesn't mean that you don't still need to manage the the typical risks around holding rental property, um, you know, and particularly, you know, it might like by definition, a pension is a long term investment. So it fits mm-hmm. very well with property in, in that way. But, um, you know, that's where the, the social housing, for example, becomes quite compelling. Um, you know, because you're not it's not necessarily about knocking the lights out on the return. It's about consistent uh, risk adjusted returns. And you talked about risk there, Rafe, and I think that's, you know, one of the benefits of looking at uh, a property investment through your pension is that you almost have to take a step back because under revenue r- rules, you have to engage with the advisor and the advisor is normally the first person that you'd speak to going through this process. Um I mean, can you can you kind of maybe explain then, you know, uh, when you're when you're looking at uh, assessing the risk for a client, the things that you might consider as as an advisor? Because, again, a lot of the people who are probably listening here have an involvement in property through their own personal uh, you know, careers. And um, so, you know, do you take that into consideration as you're advising them to invest in property through their pensions? Are they, is that, is that a good thing or is that something that they should kind of really consider uh, from an overexposure point of view? 
I suppose, you know, one of the great things about when someone has decided they want to use their pension to invest in property is that they are by definition taking charge of their own money, you know, and, you know, we're an advisory business. So, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of value in that, but equally, nobody cares more about your money than you do, you know? So like what you don't want to take away by stepping in as an advisor is the fact that, um, you know, someone who's making this investment is going to, is going to watch it themselves, is going to probably understand it better than anyone. Uh, you know, so, uh, and I think, as we've said, you know, pensions can be a very dry topic. So, you know, if somebody much more, much better to have an engaged investor looking after their assets rather than, you know, the theoretically perfect portfolio, um, which then nobody pays attention to, you know? So like I would say as a business, we try very hard not to take away that spark of enthusiasm and, and so on, you know, um, and yeah. having said that, you know, it is definitely the case that um, a lot of a lot of pension pots in Ireland, which do hold directly held, which do hold property in them, you know, have a obviously a heavy exposure to property on a little island on the west of Europe, which has some very specific risks attached to it. And then typically, you know, the other big chunk of assets in that pot will be the the cash coming off uh, off the asset itself, so the, the rental cash flow, yeah. and potentially new contributions into the pension. So the bit that we kind of, as I say, you're sitting on the same side of the table uh, as the investor here, really. But you know what we try and work out is what's an appropriate balance between cash, property, and other assets within your pension. You know, yeah. um, and then you might get into a conversation about, uh, you know, uh, should should some of this be in um, in the stock market. Should it be in a portfolio of bonds, gold, what have you? you yeah. know? So so that's the conversation we have. Okay. So assuming then somebody's decided that they want to invest in property through their pension, um, there's there's some additional kind of restrictions or things to think about? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, there are a couple of ways to do it, but like I suppose the most common way people would do it is through a self-administered scheme, right? So the scenario is typically... Uh, somebody senior in a company or with the, who can control a company, you know, uh, you might get um, uh, a consultant who's incorporated their business as a company, that kind of thing, um, and is in a position to put in quite substantial quantities of cash into a pension, right? So there, you know, it's worth touching on in a moment or two, maybe. But you know, there is a there is a certain amount below which it becomes inefficient to do this. But um, typically, there'll be a company involved and uh, we'll set up what's called a self-administered pension. And really, that's no more than a, a company pension that you can control yourself. Um, but uh, that, that's what they'll be doing. And, um, you know, once the money goes in, uh, it's a question of uh, allocation. How are you going to finance that property purchase? Are you going to raise mortgage debt against it? And so forth. And one of the things that people should think, you know, should they come with a property in mind? Uh, should they try and set that scheme up first? What what are the sequence of things uh, to, to kind of uh, play out? Yeah, I guess on the whole, you know, people, you know, people start with a property in mind, right? So the, the, the exam question for, for people like us is, you know, how do I set this up in an efficient way from a tax perspective that's going to deliver me you know, increase my wealth over the long term without sacrificing control. And it's going to do it in, in an appropriate kind of risk adjusted way for me, right? So not just total exposure to property, for example, or and, and what have you. So, so yeah, so I would say typically people, uh, 
have a property in mind and that's what kind of prompts you know there's a certain amount of effort to put a self-administered pension scheme yep. in place that you wouldn't do if you were just buying kind of liquid assets like uh, exchange traded funds or or shares and companies and so on so so i would say yes um but you know it is possible to go the other way right so um you could form the vehicle if you like so form the, the investment vehicle being your pension and you could invest it in a in assets that you can liquidate very quickly once you've found the appropriate property and we also do that you know and then our job would be more about um, making sure that the fund was building up appropriately there was enough liquidity at the right time that you can um, you know cash in uh, that investment and make it available for ploughing into property. Very good. Know? So, so going very both good. Ways. Uh, thanks, Rafe. And it might be a premature question to ask, but has COVID nineteen changed this conversation at all? Um, well, it has, and it is. You know, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know anyone listening to this show will have heard all your coverage on on the impact in terms of valuations, uncertainty in the market in general. Uh, you know, and there's a good bit of that to play out, isn't there? You know, um, I can't believe that everyone in Dublin is going to move to Wicklow, but uh, for the short term, um, you know, that's probably the direction of flow, you know. So, um, you know, there are kind of market changes, um, you know, and then I suppose then that that reflects back into terms of the overall risk associated with people's portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. You know? so, Absolutely. And look, I, I genuinely appreciate that. It's um it is a premature question to ask. And you know, obviously there were extraordinary measures taken um to protect uh, tenants during this time, but they are measures that were were important. Uh they were brought in, you know, speedily, which was appropriate. However, they would be absolutely unsustainable in the long term in terms of um of uh, an investment property market. So Again, premature conversation, but it would be naive for us to think that there aren't going to be some long-term impacts for this. But again, maybe that's something that we'll be discussing over the next number of months. But uh, for now, thank you so much for joining us, Rafe. That was Rafe Benson, co-founder and head of financial advice at MoneyCube. So we'll take another quick break. And coming up, we'll be speaking with Eugene Davy, principal at Primera Capital. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM. So we're back on the line with my co-host for today, Fergal McKenna, and myself, Carol Tallon. Um, as mentioned before the break, we're going to be joined on the line now by Eugene Davy, Principal at Primera Capital. Eugene, hi. Um, we've been talking with Angus Burns over Graham Thornton and Ray Benson at moneycube.e about pensions and property. And as you know, it coincides with pensionsawarenessweek.ie which uh, has a focus on property and pensions. And, and I guess there's a new asset class that lends itself quite well to pensions and one that we're heavily involved in ourselves around social housing. Um, maybe could you kind of talk about what's happening uh, from your perspective, what you're seeing in that market and why it lends itself quite well to uh, the conversation around pensions? Uh, good morning, uh, Carolyn Fergal, and thanks a lot for, for having me on. I certainly would be, uh, be delighted to. Firstly, it's probably just important uh, to say what so social housing is. There's a lot of talk about it. It's a fairly uh, broad sector. You know, it can include, you know, specialist elderly, elderly care facilities. It can include emergency accommodation. But, you know, primarily it consists of people on relatively low and increasingly nowadays middle income salaries who've yeah. been priced out of the private rental market 
and can't afford to purchase a home. Uh, yeah. You know, according to the latest you know government figures from last year, you know there were about uh, just under 70,000 uh, 70, people on the social housing waiting list in Ireland. You know, and twenty seven percent of those people have been on the the waiting list. Uh, you know, for, for for over seven years with COVID nineteen. You know, it's likely that social housing waiting lists are likely to increase. It's also, yeah. you know, it's also worth emphasising, you know, that many of our frontline workers who are performing, you know, such a good job during COVID are in are in need of a, a social housing. So, you know, it's you know, it's important that it's something that that we do right, uh, and you know, private investors and you know and, uh, can be part of that solution. Yeah, but I just, think you're right, and it, it's good to dispel that myth around social housing. It does go from everything from, you know, assistance or payment of housing for people with addictions and mental health all the way through to, um, you know, the, the, the housing assistance program at the other end and nursing homes. So, yeah, good point. It's also worth put, sort of putting in the context in terms of how investment in the Irish residential sector has evolved and expanded over, you know, over the past decade. You know, during the Celtic Tiger years, you know, the government had a, had a policy of, of, of home ownership. Um, and post, you know, post the financial crash, the government has moved more towards a position of tenure neutrality. Um, you know, um, and you know, they've looked to increase the amount of private capital being invested in the residential sector. People are increasingly renting for the long term, and over the past, you know, over the past decade, you know, a new asset class has emerged. Uh, you know, the PRS market. You know, and that, you know, two and a half billion was invested in that sector over the past. You know, in, in two thousand and nineteen, sure. social housing sector is 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 the, is the new sector, and it's it's uh, you know it's 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 going to grow hugely. And it's worth sort of putting this again, just in the context of what's happening internationally. You know, uh, throughout uh, you know the UK and Europe, they have well developed uh, social housing uh, markets funded very often by private capital. Uh, traditionally, uh, social housing in Ireland uh, was, you know, was fully funded by the government. Houses were built by local authorities or by approved, uh, uh, approved housing bodies. Following on from the financial crash, uh, you know, the uh, government didn't have any money. They had to cut funding uh, to local authorities, uh, you know, which led to a significant decline in new social housing stock. So, you know, faced with a lack of funding, the government uh, just uh, tried to attract private capital to the sector. Um, they introduced in 2010 uh, the first social housing lease, which enabled local authorities entered into leases of between 10 and 25 years uh, with individuals in, in, in the private sector. So in return for you know, a private individual providing a house uh, to, uh, to a local authority, they could sign up for a lease between 10 and 25 years. They're offered between 80 and 85% of the market rent, 80% market rent for houses, 85% for apartments. And, you know, the rents increase every four years, every three years in line with, in line with, with, with inflation. Yeah. Since then, the government has tried to introduce, you know, further features to the market. They've introduced a thing called an enhanced lease you know, which is trying to in, in, attract institutional investors, and it's likely that over the over over the over the years ahead, that you know that the government will you know make further efforts to introduce private capital to the sector. One of the key things you know that's worth why does the government do it is that, that you know these social housing leases are classified as off balance sheet financing. 
you know, which makes it attractive uh, for the government from from a financing perspective because they don't have to bear uh, the, the, the the capital cost. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, like when you talk about private capital, there we are talking about you know the, the the general person out there who wants to get exposure to this has the ability to to, to do that. Isn't isn't that right, Eugene? Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. The, you know, the, the, you know the standard housing lease, which we're working with, you know, in, in, in investors to acquire, you know, their own one two bedroom apartment, uh, a three three bedroom house. You know, you you know, if you have, you know. Three hundred thousand uh, 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 you know, of capital, you know, you know, or four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, depending on what you know, what 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 unit size you're looking to buy. You know, you, you know, you're able to buy uh, that either directly uh, or t- uh, th- through your pension, which you know, which which we believe you know is 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 more efficient is more efficient. Yeah, you know, it, you know, it, it you know, it's very suitable for a. For, for a pension uh, product, you know, it offers long-term secure income. You know, there's less volatility associated with uh, social, uh, you know, with social, uh, social housing investment compared with other real estate asset classes. You know, um, you know, they offer an, a, a very attractive net initial yield. Yeah, you, you know, you can get uh, greater than five percent. Five percent. Sure. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a long-term secure income stream. It's important to emphasize, emphasize what well, there's quite a bit of work involved in, you know, in sourcing the property, you know, uh, fitting it out, making sure it meets the local authority uh, standards and putting the lease in place. You know, once that's done, um, you, uh, you know, the, the local authority is responsible for all uh, maintenance. You know, there's no arrears. There's no bad debts. There's no voids. You, yeah. you effectively have 25 years secure income. So it's great for a pension product, I guess, is, is what you're trying to say there. It, there's good counterparty risk. It's long term. And there's an element after you get through the first hurdle um, of, of it being a passive uh, investment. Although you're, you know, I guess you have some control over over the, the investment itself. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. I mean, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's ideally suited and it's worth, you know, it's worth sort of pointing out in terms of, you know, what, why, the, you know, the, the attractions of the social housing lease versus maybe the traditional sort of buy to let investment, hmm. uh, you know, the people may, you know, will be maybe more uh, familiar with. Yeah, buy to let investors are sort of you know have been exiting the market over over, over the last few years. Yeah, I think I read something from Sherry Fitzgerald the other week, you know, saying that you know thirty two percent of all investors in the first half of, of all vendors in the first half of this year were uh, were investors, and only twelve percent uh, you know, of investors were buying. So investors are exiting the market. Twelve thousand private uh, uh, properties have exited the market over the last two years. Uh, because yeah, it's yeah. unattractive from a tax perspective, you know, the, the, um, you know, with marginal rate tax, CGT, and investment gains, the increased regulation of the sector, but also, you know, the increasing regulation, the hassle of dealing with repairs and maintenance, voids, rent arrears. Um, when you contrast uh, that with the social housing model, you're signing up to a long-term lease, in, um, and once once you have the lease in place, you don't have to uh, worry about tenants. Leaving the property, uh, you know, uh, on an annual basis, de- you know, dealing with hassle, antisocial behaviour, all that's taken care of. Yeah. Great, Eugene. Thank you so much for that, um, Fergal. I'm going to go back to you because you're in an advisory capacity. Because one of the things I've noticed outside of uh, doing this through a pension, but um, 
over the past kind of decade and a half, the take up in terms of the long term leasing, and we see it again with, you know, the um, other similar products, uh, state products like the um, like the uh, repair and leasing scheme, the take up is traditionally quite low. So can you explain, like Eugene has explained the benefits of it, but perhaps you could explain when you're dealing with um, potential consumers of these and users of these initiatives, uh, I mean, what is the what is the take up like? Yeah, I, I think, um, look, there's definitely a swell of people who are getting more of an interest in this market as they as they. Um, as they learn more about it and learn the benefits of it. So they may just have an interest in, in investing in, in, in property um, and then look at the options of a buy-to-let property versus that, uh, um, you know, to, to, a pro- to a private person versus social. And a lot of the, the myths that are out there around uh, social housing are starting to, to fade away as people realise that, you know, um, the social housing is, is such a broad category of, uh, of an asset class uh, and there are some fantastic uh, returns that can be be made when you look at the risk return um, uh, on 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 some of the some of the transactions that are available. So I would say that the, the take up has been been low, um, but it, it's I, I get there's a, there's a number of reasons. It's education, it's available uh, availability of capital, it's not knowing where to go, and um, mm-hmm. so I think you need a number of people at the table. When you're looking at these transactions and if you're looking at outside of your of, of your pension you still need a number of professional advisors to assist you along the way if, if you want that to be a successful transaction if you want to do it through your pension you need a couple of more and we've spoken to two of them earlier on being being you know a trustee and, and a financial advisor so i think the, the moment momentum's coming here and it is happening and it's one of the reasons why pensions awareness week has a focus on on property, um, we have a full session uh, talking about uh, the various different categories um, and how to, how to how to access that. And, and and one of the reasons why the spotlight is there is because we've had more people into us asking about how they get access to these type of products uh, through, through through their pension or or or, or, or not. Okay, that's that's interesting. So you actually have uh, people raising the this as an option, as in I, I want to invest in property through my pension, and I want it to be social housing. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We would have people uh, come to us um, at various stages in the process. They might be uh, coming to us with a, a vacant property um, mm. and and looking for funding on that. They might be coming to us uh, with a with an eye on a site and looking for advice on what they should do in terms of developing that site. What's the best mix? Uh, we assist them with uh, speaking with the various different housing authorities or councils and understanding what are the better options um, uh, there, um, all the way through to setting that uh, that 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 that's, that transaction up and structuring it in a in a in a way that nets the the promoter. The best return, and then looking at the exit options at the end of the day, um, and that can be an exit uh, for sale to one of the housing authority authorities mm-hmm. or a council, or it can be to an institutional buyer. So, but yeah, by all means, there's a. I would say that the the majority of inquiries that we have at the moment are actually related to social housing. 
Okay, that's really interesting. And um, Eugene, you started by, by I, I suppose, positioning social housing very well by explaining how it has evolved. And um, outside of the pensions conversation, I would say that, you know, a huge driver of that has been um, the approved housing bodies in Ireland. They've really emerged since the crash over the past decade or a decade and a half. They've really um, emerged in a very organised way, you know, leveraging state resources against international low-cost funding, long-term low-cost funding, uh, to be able to very professionally and compassionately, um, you know, deal with the housing lists of local authorities nationwide. So I would say that, uh, you know, approved housing bodies have been so instrumental in this. So where does the individual, where does the individual um, uh, investor in social housing fit when we see that the approved housing bodies have done a tremendous job over the past decade or decade and a half and and are growing uh, they're growing at, at an importantly at an important rate but a great rate um you know so where does that leave private investors who want to buy social housing through the pension is that taking them maybe outside of the very well serviced areas and outside of the urban areas into maybe market towns um, well, in terms of you know, I think that you know the, the, the you know social the social housing sector is such a big sector. Mm. You know, you know there is room for you know approved housing uh, housing, housing bodies. You know, I mean, is there a long term source of capital uh, for the sector? We need the approved housing bodies. We need local authorities, and there's also a role and a niche, uh, you know, for for private investors. But the approved housing bodies are great at you know getting uh, government funding and third party debt financing. You know, to, to deliver large schemes of 100, uh, 200 uh, units. You know, that's you know that's what we need. You know, they're doing that very successfully over over the last uh, number of years. You know, what you know, obviously, private investors operate at a much uh, smaller scale, and you know, they can they can sit alongside approved housing bodies on the basis that they're you know it's an it's an investor buying one or possibly mm. two units. And leasing leasing them to a to to to, to, to the local authority, so that so they're not in competition to each other. You know, you know, we view them as 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 complementary and all part of the solution uh, that are that's required for you know for our housing crisis. Yeah, that that's a great way actually to articulate it. You know, th there is no overall solution, and that every element, you know, it all forms part of an overall and holistic solution. So I I think that's a very good way to sum it up. Um, thank you for joining us today, Eugene. That was Eugene Davy, Principal at Primera Capital. So that's it from us today. And thank you for listening into Property Matters on Dublin South FM for our Pensions Awareness Week special. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iPropertyRadio or emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So also my thanks to Peter Rice on Sound, show producer Katie Talon of Hear Me Roar Media, and special thanks to my guest co-host for, for the show this week, Fergal McKenna, Head of Debt Advisory Beacon Capital. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Talon, and all the team here. Stay safe. <laughs>